Well, welcome to the TLR Podcast. This is Ben, and I've got my friend Matt here. You guys all know Matt Hayes, uh, our TLR director. Hey, this is a bonus edition of the TLR Podcast. We know you guys are on spring break, having a good time, hopefully being safe, but we know uh, we're not having TLR this Wednesday, and so we just wanted to drop in on the podcast and maybe give you some words of encouragement, um, maybe talk a little bit about uh, this series we just wrapped up last week called The Games We Play. Like I said earlier, we've got our uh, the one and the only Matt Hayes. He can't talk enough on Wednesday night, and so we decided to start a podcast. Matt, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for the opportunity to say even more words to everybody. This is impressive. We know you have them. <laughs> they're, they're in there somewhere, I well, guess. We know you have them. No, really excited to keep the conversation going. And yeah, we're going to see if this works. See if y'all like this. See if this is a medium that allows you to keep growing in your faith. And the reality that you can still have TLR be your home away from home, even when you're not in the building. Yeah. I and mean, that's the goal of this. Yeah, man. And if you're new around here, if uh, you know someone's seen this podcast or you know a friend or something, uh, the Living Room is a ministry for college-age adults in the Woodstock, Georgia area, um, sub- suburb of Atlanta. Uh, we know this season of life, this college season of life, can be sort of isolating, hard to navigate. And so we say all the time at TLR, we want to be a home away from home for college-age students. And so, uh, so yeah, th- thanks so much for joining us uh, for this podcast. But, yeah, in today's bonus episode, we're going to take a look back at this sort of message series that we just wrapped up from Wednesday night called The Games We Played. But before that, Matt, I got to know, when it comes to podcasts, mm-hmm. what speed do you listen to your podcast on? It says a lot about a person. It, it really does. So I had a friend who would listen to everything at two times, and I thought he was an alien. Like, that's insane. That's fast. So I trained myself to get to two times, and I've slowed down. I've calmed down. I listen to everything on 1.8. It's, I feel like that's what you have to do. It's the golden speed right there. It I'm is, right man. there with you, 1.8. It is. And the funny part is whenever I put my phone, plug my phone up into my car when I get in there, if I've got a friend who gets in the car with me, it'll auto-play the podcast I just listened to. Yep. And it's so fast, and they get so scared. But I'm like, <laughs> it's better. Just get ready for it. Yeah, it's just, uh, what about like books, audiobooks? Yeah, for an audiobook or like Malcolm Gladwell. Y'all should go listen to Revisionist History. It's the best one. Amazing podcast. Um, I'm 1.2 on that one. Okay. But I'm never down to one, like one time speed. If you're listening to me right now in one time speed, I wish I had the time of day. Your spring you did. break must be really boring. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Speed this thing up. Yeah. We got more we can listen to. So I'm sure you'll hear me talk about this a lot more. And if I've interacted with you on a Wednesday night, you probably heard me sort of complain, um, but also very grateful for the fact that I'm in seminary right now. And so I watch a lot of lectures. I have hours of lectures I have to watch yeah, throughout the week. And so I watch them on two times because I just got to like go through them, you know? And the, the that funny... May, bro, that may not be fast enough. Yeah, it, it, and who knows if I'm actually <laughs> learning something, right? But the amazing thing is when we have a live class and the professors, you know, real time, and I'm like, who is this guy? Like, they sound completely different. Their voice is like three octaves lower than <laughs> what I'm used to. They usually sound like, you know, I don't know, like Cartoon pitched. character. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, but yeah, 1.8 on the podcast, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, well, hey, man, uh, you know, you had the opportunity to speak throughout this whole series um, called The Games We Play. And just give us a brief, hey, why? Why did, we, why did we go this route for the last couple of weeks? What made you feel like this was an important topic to talk about with our uh, college students at TLR? And um, give us a little bit of insight there. Yeah, I think, you know, as someone trying to reach college students, someone trying to lead college students, and 
I've just got a massive heart for people in this season of life, whether you're a student or you're not, you're just a, a young 20-something. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the biggest things for you to figure out is kind of the self-awareness, the understanding of where you are in the world. Yeah. And uh, that happens a lot naturally in the season that you're in. You are becoming exposed to so many things that you didn't know before when you were in high school or you were at your parents' house or you were in that younger season of life. And so once you get into this season of life, it's the awakening to, oh, wow, the world's bigger than I thought it was. And the experiences I have are different. I have more freedom. I have more responsibility. But really, there's more choices. And to me, the idea of the games we play is something that we all need to figure out because we're not aware of them, right? Like we're walking around just living our life, probably not thinking about, you know what? This is probably not best. Yeah. Or, you know, whenever I made this decision, this is why I did it. And the lack of awareness of why we're doing what we're doing I think keeps us from experiencing a better life, even in the season of college. Like, have the awareness of why it is you're doing what you're doing, and it may be that you're playing a game, and most likely you're not even aware of it. Yeah. And so that's that's really the the vision behind what the series was. Yeah, that's good, man. So, what were some of the games we talked about? Just a quick recap of, you know, yeah. the series. Um, yeah, I, go back and listen to them. Um, I hope the conversation that stirred from was great. Hopefully, it landed, but. Um, we talked about playing games with your faith and the idea of being lukewarm in your faith and the misconception of that, but also the apathy that exists in that. And, you know, in, in the college age season of life, a lot of students, um, a lot of people, a lot of young adults are, are right on the heels of right on the, you know, the other side of the boundary from experiencing whatever faith was to you when you were in your parents' house. And for a lot of people, that becomes an experience that they didn't love or maybe it wasn't what they wanted, or maybe they had questions or doubts or concerns or curiosities. And in those moments, we can very easily just tap out hmm. or just put it on the shelf or just act like, you know, I'll come back to it one day. And we just become apathetic towards faith. And so week one, we talked about the games we play with our faith and how that apathy is really what drives us away from Jesus and how uh, in Revelation 3, when he talks about the lukewarm, it's not like hot or cold, you know, pick or choose. It's not a get it right or get away. Yeah, one of the most probably misinterpreted verses of Scripture ever. 100%. Um, be super cold against me or be super on fire for me. Like, yeah. No, it's it's neither of those things. It's saying be honest where you are. Just don't choose the middle. Don't choose apathy. Don't think like, eh, I'll figure it out. Like, No, be be honest with the season that you're in. And So that's a really big game we play. That's the one we talked about first. The next one we talked about was the games we play with comparison and with identity. I think this is something that everybody struggles with, regardless of age, regardless of season, regardless of stage. Um, we are so apt to look around us to see where we should be or what we should be doing or what we should look like. We're, we're garnering the, um, the influence to the answers of those things from everything around us. And yet this reality, this truth is that what God says of you is true of you. And not looking to other places to find that, but looking to that source of life to your Father in Heaven who loves you and who made you and who wants a relationship with you. That's His goal for you. So to stop playing the comparison game is week two. The next one we talked is the games we play with our appetites. Um, and a lot of times automatically we think appetite, we think food. But love the reality food. is that, me too, man. I, I started off the message by saying, hey, do you eat to live or live to eat? And it was like a personal opportunity for me to scream from the sky that I overwhelmingly live to eat. And now at 37, I think the scale is starting to show me that. So I'm going to work on it, guys. I'm working on the dad bod, okay? <laughs> um, but with the appetites, the games we play with that is 
that your appetites scream at you, whether you know it or not. Um, maybe it feels like a silent scream, but they're constantly screaming, and they only know two words, now and more. And so your appetites can control you and can rule you, or you can control and you can rule them. One of those two things will have power, your appetites or you. And so just the reality that you're, if you're making decisions that are all about now and more, you're trading everything you want down the road for this momentary thing right now. And that's the story of um, Esau and Jacob and the lentil soup that we learned um, you know, way back at the beginning you know, of all Scripture. It's, it's one of these core stories where you can learn about there's, there's a delayed gratification that's possible, but our culture is not going to say that. Yeah, so, we don't want that. And then we ended it by talking about the games we play with grace and how um, so many of us think that, like, yeah, but there's grace, so I can do whatever I want. Like, I know I'm on spring break. I know I'm not at TLR this week, but it's okay because he loves me, and I can have his grace. And that's just a very cheap way to view what is something that was very costly for God. Hmm. He gave Jesus. Jesus gave up his life for you. And so to think that it's not going to cost you something, to think that you can, as James, James 4 is where we landed, to think you can just dabble in sin and keep cuddling up to the enemy and cuddling up to the world and what it would say to you and still have this relationship that's filled with this grace from Jesus is just a, it's a double-minded approach and it's false. It's not, it's never going to actually get you what you think you want. So stop playing that game. Stop Stop acting like Jesus is something you want to follow, so you put him on the bio of your Instagram profile. Ooh. But then every single picture underneath that looks like something that has nothing to do with Jesus. And this is when everyone pauses the podcast and goes and looks at their Instagram. I know, bio. yeah. Let's go. Let's clean it up, guys. Let's do some editing. It's okay. But but that it's a it's a game you play, and and the reality of this whole series is that all of us play it. That's true. Like whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all of us play it. It's just the the. The differentiation is whether you're aware of it yeah, or not. You need to know about it. Yeah. You just need to know the game we're playing. Be aware of the fact that things aren't always what they seem. And what you're doing has long-lasting implications for your life. And I want you to get it right. And I said this at the beginning of every talk. And you want to get it right. And so if you want to get it right, I want you to get it right. The thing we can land on is, and God wants us to get it right too. So how do we get it right? Well, we got to take what we're doing and put it underneath this this submission underneath this filter of what he's telling us to do. So stop playing the game, start listening, and start actually following is really the call. Yeah, man, this, the series in itself was so good. It was so good. Well done, man. And um, if you want to go back and listen to it, uh, just all of, all of our messages are on our podcast, and so you can go back and listen to each one of those talks if you want to, take notes, uh, listen back. But, man, I got, I got to know um, what was a game in this season of life uh, of college, what was the game that you found yourself playing when I was there? When you were there? When you were in college? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So, I think the reality of the games that I played is probably another reason why I felt so strongly about talking about this with TLR. So, the game that I feel like I played the most when I was in college, I went to UGA. Um, Go I, was dogs. There, I was there. That's right. Go Dogs. Two-time national champ. Um, but I was there. You know, the middle two thousands. Graduated two thousand eight. And the game that I primarily played was with other people. And I know a lot of times we can think like, wait a minute, does that mean he crossed all these lines and bounced? Like, no, chill out. I played games with people by manipulating them. Hmm. And the thing that helped me realize that is that someone made me aware of it. So when I say I manipulated people, I have this tendency, this predisposition, this unrefined default to want to find validation and want to find 
affirmation and want to feel wanted and worthy and strong and valuable. I want, I want to feel that I have a tendency to, to seek that out from other people. And so what I did in college is I used my kindness and I used my character and I used my posture and I used my faith, honestly, um, to manipulate people's responses to me. And I didn't even know I was doing it. Hmm. Like if you would have asked me, I'd have been like, no, I'm just being kind. Yeah. But then somebody sat down across from me and was like, Matt, do you realize how much of a heartbreaker you are? And I was, how'd that, I was, I was that so offended. Like, <laughs> excuse me? It was my roommate's girlfriend. Like, Brie, what? You've literally watched me not date anybody since I've been in college. Like, how, I'm the heartbreaker? And it was very uh, confusing because for me in relationships, I was the one that was always broken up with. I was the one that was always um, an emotional mess. Like I was the one getting my heart broken all the time. So how am I a heartbreaker? And she was like, you don't even see it. You don't even know it. But you're leaving this wake, this trail behind you of people that are upset or disappointed or confused and you're unaware of it. Wow. She was like, you go on these date nights with sororities or these socials, or you just go over to friends' house to hang out. And there are girls there hanging out because the uniqueness of college that we all know is that it's not just boys and girls. Like, it's all intermixed. And so you're just going to hang out, and you make that girl that you're talking to feel like the center of the world. And I know you're just being kind. I know you're just being friendly. But you're giving them so much attention. You're making them feel so incredible. And you are making them feel like you value them so much. And then you don't care about talking to them ever again. You just go on with your day. You're like, I was just being kind. Simply not a good look. It's not. And I was so unaware because I'm sitting here setting up this expectation someone's building about me. And, and here's the key. And I, this, is, this is important. I wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah, you were just being kind. And you, I was. And you're, you were just being kind, loving, friendly. But I was, I was being kind, but I was being blind. Right? Mm. There's your bottom line. I was so unaware to the mindfulness of someone else. I wasn't thinking about anybody else in that situation but myself and but my desire to feel warmth and affirmation and reciprocation of that warmth from someone else. So if I'm kind to you and then you're kind to me, it shows me you respect me, you want to be around me, you like me, you want me, makes me feel better about myself. All those things on the surface are great, but if you do them without the perspective of what it could cause the other person to think, if you do that without the perspective of thinking how the other person is responding, I just wasn't thinking about anybody else but me. That's selfishness. Um, it was a game I was constantly playing, and I didn't know it. It was a it was a manipulation game with friends, with girls, with people around me. It was, and it was a problem, and it wasn't setting anybody up. Anybody, it wasn't making anyone else succeed. Hmm. It was just super selfish. So, so after hearing that, how did you how how did you respond? I mean, of course, the first is like the Band-Aids ripped off and like, right. oh, that stings. What how, are you talking how about? How dare you, Brie? Yeah. <laughs> but what, what did that lead to? Um, I started approaching the interactions that I had with certain people, and especially, you know, guys, girls, when they're dating. I started approaching the friendships that I had with other girls that were my genuine friends. I just started approaching them thinking through the lens of, of making sure I'm not communicating something I'm not meaning to communicate. Um, there was one girl a few months after this, um, she was incredible. Like one of the, one of my best friends in college that was a girl, 
she had just gone through a breakup and I was talking talking about it with her and we're in this group setting. And then she asked me, she was like, <laughs> this is a few months later. She's like, would you ever consider dating me? And in my head, I was like, oh God, here I go again. This is so, why did I do this? You know, was it Brie? It was not Brie. Okay. No, no, no. She's still dating my roommate. Um, but she asked me that. And I remember thinking like, all right, I need to be honest. Right? I can keep playing this game and keep unintentionally leading someone on. But it was one of the first times that I knew I'm going to have to have a hard conversation with myself and a hard conversation with her. Where she said, would you ever consider this? And I was like, honestly, no. And it's not because of you. I'm just so not in the season of looking for that right now. And what I did in that moment is I gave her an expectation. I gave her an expectation to not look to that from me and to realize that that's not an option with me on the table. And because at the end of the day, all disappointment is just unmet expectations. Hmm. Yep. And so that level of clarity became kindness in our friendship. And, it was, and she ended up dating another friend of mine. And it was great. They're married now. I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect. It was wonderful. But if I was unaware of how I was acting, I would have probably been caught off guard by her question and not responded with honesty. I probably would have responded in a way to manipulate it to make me feel better about myself rather than actually helping her. Hmm. Yeah, man. And that's hard. And that's messy. And just to, yeah. to inter- go there, like personally, of asking the question of like, why am I actually responding or behaving? Or right, um, you know, w- what is my motivation here? Um, and, and even I, and it felt like I was being unkind, yeah. right? Like I'm like telling you're trying to be kind, but you're actually not being kind. But I'm telling you, I don't want to date you right now. Like, oh, right, that's right, not right. going to feel good, you know. But right. but I've realized as I've gotten older, and this is something that um, I did not get in college. But I realized as I've gotten older that. Helping people avoid pain is something that I think all of us naturally desire to do, but it might actually be the worst possible thing for them. Hmm. Like, I, I, I'm a helper. Like, if you know all the Enneagram stuff, my highest one's probably a two. Like, I, I want to genuinely help people. I like to fix things. I like to make things better. And I want to do it through the lens of people. But me telling her in that moment, um, I, I don't know, trying to, like, let her down easy or... or or, or be nice and be kind, would have been so unkind because it would have been further confusion instead of clarity. And if clarity is kindness, I needed in that moment to give it to her, even if it meant that it hurt. It's going to be hurtful. Even if it meant that it's not going to be what's going to make her feel great. I would rather her be healthy than try to make her happy. And that, there's your marriage advice. Like, yeah. <laughs> the goal should be healthy more than happy. And... And I think if if I understood that earlier, I don't know that I would have gone through all of these moments. It's not. It wasn't just with girls. Like it wasn't just in those dating scenarios. It was with my teammates. That I, for the you know I played volleyball at Georgia, the crew like club team guys. It wasn't that great. It's not varsity. It's club. Chill out. But like with them, with uh, with classmates, and I realized I did it with my family. I realized I did it with my friend. I mean, I did it everywhere. I was constantly manipulating. Ultimately, because I had this insecurity about me that I wasn't okay, and I needed someone else to tell me that I was. Hmm. And that was, that was the game. That was the game. It was, it's a confidence game. Hmm. I've got to draw it from you because I don't have enough of it myself. All right, so for someone listening, you shared your game. We, we shared a couple games the last couple of weeks at TLR. So what, how do you do it? Like, how, how do you become aware? What's the what's the <laughs> magic? What's the trick? Do you need a you know your your roommate's That's girlfriend right. to call you out on something? Like, what's the? That's right. 
Yeah. What go, do we do about this? Go find the super mature person in your life and say, let me have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, I think you're going to become aware of it in one of two ways. Someone is going to make you aware of it or you can become aware of it. If someone's making you aware of it, it's because something wrong has probably occurred. Hmm. There has been a negative uh, response to some action that you had. And now someone's making you aware of that. I don't want to have that be the case. I don't want to always be that I slipped and I fell and someone said, hey, you banged up your knee. Don't you need a Band-Aid, right? I want to look at it and realize before I fall, mm, that's probably a pitfall. I don't need to go that way. So part of the, um, the thing you got to figure out is the awareness and how to have that. So evaluate your life. Evaluate why are you doing the things that you are doing. Now, the difficulty in that question is it can cause you to think, all right, I got to find an answer to that. And the reality of that question is it may take a long time to figure out that answer. And so don't do it on your own. Really, it's all about initiating it. You can choose to initiate that conversation by going to someone that you trust, someone that you love, someone who sees you living your life, and someone who you are, and this is the important part, that you are willing to listen to their feedback from. Right, unsolicited, yeah, unsolicited Key. feedback is awful. I, I don't, I don't want someone to give me this massive critique that I from that I don't trust them. It's just not going to be helpful. They, so, they, you don't believe that they want what's best for you, right? Yeah. If, if there's trust in the middle of that relationship, and then I'm going to go to that person who I who I do trust, who I do want to hear from, and who I do uh, respect their opinion. I genuinely want to know, and I'm going to ask him, Hey, what's it like on the other side of me? That's, that's the question. That's what Bree was telling me. Hey, Matt, wake up. Do you know what it's like say, to be on the other side say that, of you? Say that question one more time. Yeah. What's it like on the other side of me? That's something that Jeff Henderson, one of our lead pastors, one of our churches, for a long time would use in conversations as a self-evaluating tool that you can initiate with anybody. So maybe you're playing a game that you're not aware of. Go to someone who knows you, who gets you, who sees you, and who loves you, and ask them, what's it like on the other side of me? And hopefully, they're going to have the ability to, to not help you avoid the pain hmm. and to be honest, because this is the, the crux of this entire thing. Every game we're talking about, every message we've had, is if you actually want to grow, if you actually want to get better, if you actually want to get it right, which I know you do, there's going to be some pain involved. And we don't like that. We don't like the discomfort. We don't like the difficulty. But... Growth is synonymous with pain. It just is. Yep. I was in seventh grade. I grew seven inches. Most painful year of my life. Ah, uh, growing pains, the worst. The worst, yeah. I didn't, I didn't quite grow as much as you did, though. <laughs> you didn't reach my height, but <laughs> yeah. it's fine. But, like, I mean, it was the most painful year of my life. And, and then I, that was physically. Emotionally, though, the exact same thing. Hmm. Every single time I went through these massively difficult seasons of my life, whether it was from a breakup or an external circumstance, I look back and those are the times I grew the most. And anyone can do that. Anyone can look back at their life to realize that's called wisdom. I'm going to look to the past, know what's going to happen in the future before it happens. And so you can expedite that process and you can trigger that process of becoming aware by initiating the conversation of, hey, what's it like on the other side of me? But don't do it if, if you're not willing to listen to it. Yeah. I mean, and, if, and if you're not ready to listen to it. Yeah. You may need to take some time. I mean, honestly, pr pray about that. The first person you may need to ask is Jesus. Yeah. Hey, make me aware of what I don't know. What blind spots do I have? Can you just make me aware? And I promise you, if you seek that out from him, you'll find it. He'll show you in his kindness. 
Man, that's so good. One, one uh, verse that sort of I've been rattling around in my brain recently is Psalm 139, and I think it speaks right into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And I just, yeah, go to the Lord with this, right? Yeah. And then go to the Lord, ask, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And yeah. get, ask for the wisdom to um, see yourself how God sees you, you know, and, and see... Um, and, and then, you know, go to someone you trust, ask that same question. I, I did that one time uh, with How'd my... How'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked three people. I asked my uh, my wife, I asked my mom, and I asked my sister. <laughs> three women. On That's it, right, and, yeah. and, and uh, really important women in my life. And um, it overall was super encouraging, but there was some really painful conversations that... Um, that happened because of it too, because of things that I just was blind to. You know, you don't know what you don't know. That's right. And so the only way you can get better is to know about it. And and that's why we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. And if you look around and you see someone who's not self-aware, like it's cringy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Go watch American Idol. All the people <laughs> who show up and they're tone deaf, they're freaking tone deaf and they're trying out for American Idol. You want to be like, either you're joking or this is, or this no is, no one has loved you enough to tell right, you this right. is not in your future. This is so uncomfortable. Like when you see someone who's not self-aware, you go, oh, something, mm-hmm. please, please don't. So don't be that person, right? Go, fig- go figure it out. Go search out that wisdom and find it. So good, man. Well, any other final thoughts? Can yeah. wrap things up? <clears throat> so you asked me, there was a, like, hey, if we, if we could have extended this, you asked me one time, well, where would you go? And I think the the other place, the other game we play a lot of times that I don't know uh, that we really got to talk about is is with your feelings. Can I take a minute and talk about that? Yeah, go for it. You're in charge. I, of course you're going to. Uh, yes, yes, you're going to talk about it. Go for it. You're going to use all the words. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a game we play with our feelings internally. So I talked about the game I play with, like, manipulation with other people. But I think we also, in the exact same vein, play a game with our feelings because we are looking to someone else to tell us something about ourselves. For me, it was that validation. But what it causes when you play that game, and this is what I want to talk about, is it causes codependency. I am hmm. now dependent on someone else for my well-being. And then if that person doesn't give me that well-being, now all of a sudden I am done. I'm ruined. There's a negative effect on my life if I don't if I'm looking for you to have that. And even I mean, I'm I'm going to counseling I think it's the wisest thing to do. It doesn't have to be whenever you're like crumbled and fall apart. Go get it. It's coaching. Go get yeah. some. And so and my counselor has been telling me the difference of codependency, which again, I explained, I kind of have a default towards a little bit, and interdependency. And All right. What's the difference there? One is super unhealthy. One is super healthy. And the, the codependency that I'm not okay if I don't have you. And interdependency is I get to be beside you. Hmm. It's a different posture of, I don't need you. I'm, I am fully confident within myself, and I'm okay if I don't have you. Because the moment I need something from you, for you to give me something, the moment I need something from you, I, by definition, cannot be for you. Hmm. If I need something from you, I can't be for you. And the problem with that, that we get so mixed up, is I can't love you if I'm not for you. Because that's what love is. Vodi Bauckham, this incredible preacher, said, Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. So by definition, it is an active response, not to not of an emotion, but of a choice, 
that is always in the direction of the other person. I can't be for you and I can't love you if I'm constantly needing something from you because the source of that action is myself. Right. And so part of the awareness that I would love to see, um, I would have loved to see in myself when I was in college was understanding that, that I'm actually not loving this person when I'm just trying to get something from them all the time, whether it's validation or if it's something physical or if it's something to tell me about myself. I mean, all these moments, it's, it's just a game that we play. So the codependency and the interdependency is the, is the language of understanding. And if, if, if our students, if our college students, if our young age, you know, young 20-somethings, if they can move in their relationships away from codependency, um, I mean, it is the prescription to a healthier relationship down the road. It is the prescription to a healthier marriage potentially one day. It is the prescription to a healthier relationship with your children one day. Like we talked about the games we play with our future and our appetites. Yeah. Don't trade all of that health down the road because you're just going to go get whatever you want right now. Actually choose to figure that out now in your relationships. That's that's like the the thing that was left unsaid. That yeah. Now you get in this bonus episode, yeah, you, this you spring got, break episode. Yeah, the spring break episode. Also, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's going to work its way into a message at some point it, in the yeah, future. So Nothing's new, guys. If you're around me long enough, it's all going to show up again. So forget it and then get ready and come back and listen on 1.8 <laughs> speed and catch up. Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, hey, uh, that's where it wraps up our uh, bonus episode. Matt, thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Um, and hey, thanks for listening. Um, we, have, we hope to have more of these conversations in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, we've got some exciting ones planned for the rest of the spring. But, um, hey, thanks for checking us out, and uh, feel free to send this to a friend if you feel like it was helpful. Enjoy spring break if you're at the beach or mountains or Lake Altoona, wherever you're at. Even you know? if you're at home, yeah, you still even, enjoy it. Even, yeah, that's true. That's true. You just <laughs> need time to rest. man. Yeah. So, well, hey, um, be sure to join us next week at TLR as we start a new series called Riz, Roses, and Red Flags. Get ready for that one. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Like, buckle up. This one's going to be fun. All right. See you at TLR. Bye.